get to that in a second, is that you do nothing because you're just there watching the super tragic thing about to happen and you're not going to go tarnish your ethics by taking things into your own hands. You're going to watch five people get smushed and then walk away shaking your head saying that was a damn shame. (laughs) (laughs) Even though you could have controlled a different outcome. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's like a very extreme deontological approach to this. Obviously, there's a lot of like context and nuances that make this not always the case. So it's not always that simple. Say that shit. Woof. Wait, what? (laughs) Cheers. Welcome back, everyone. Um, We are going to just get started. I've got so much to talk about, Kendall. So this is Amateur Intellectuals. La la la. You know who we are. You know what we're here for. If you don't, then um, go back and listen to some episodes because we've got stuff to talk about. Mm -hmm. Okay. Question for you, Kendall. Mm -hmm. This is one of the most famous before I say what the topic is, which everyone will know when they click on the episode because it's the name of it. Okay. This is one of the most famous ethical questions. So ah! you may have you may have heard this before, but I've never heard your answer to this. So here we go. It's called the trolley problem. Okay. Mm, okay. Is it ringing any bells? Ding, ding. Not yet. <laughs> yet. Or not? Not yet. Okay, that's okay. That's okay. Maybe you've never heard it before, or maybe you have. It's going to be interesting to know. So there's a train barreling down the railroad tracks, okay? Okay. There are five people tied mm. to the tracks, ready to get hit, railed, death Rail by railing. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> um, I mean, killed by a train, horrifically. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're the only one standing nearby and there's a lever. So if you pull the lever, the train will change tracks. It'll change course. Um, but this other alternative uh, option has one person tied to that side. Mm. So you have seconds to act and you have two choices. Mm. So you do nothing and five people will die. Mm. Or you pull the lever and save the five people, but one person will die by your hand versus just what happens. Ooh. You know? Right. Um, so you're responsible for pulling the lever, so therefore you're responsible for this person's um, demise. Shit. So tell me how you would answer this, and then we're gonna we're gonna tweak the scenario slightly and see where you get. Okay. See where you land. Okay. So I heard of this in uh, maybe uh, I took like that intro to philosophy class that you take in college and then it like fucks you dry. And yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't. It was like it was like the doctor and the whore and the preacher and the whatever. Mm-hmm. Is it the way that we went over it? That's yeah. I've never heard it phrased that way. And it's interesting because it's the element of like you're letting it be what it is. Mm-hmm. Or do you get involved? And then there's some ethical guilt there i think you have to i think that you would have to switch it to save the five Mm -hmm. i agree with you i I mean personally i agree with you but i think the thing is like we're gonna get into it we're gonna get 
Don't give it away. Don't give it away, Kayla. Okay. <laughs> so let's let's just tweak this a little bit into a different, a slightly different scenario. Okay. Okay. So we we've got your answer. You're basically saying I would take accountability. I would hold that on my shoulders if I understand you correctly. I would switch right. the lever, live with it, go to therapy about it, whatever I needed. But then right. it would be one person that died instead of five. Right. So hopefully it would be for the greater good, right? Okay. Uh now the train is coming like before, but, okay. um, you know, five people are tied to the tracks and the train's coming at them. Same as before. But now in this situation, you're not standing by a lever anymore. You're standing on a bridge over the train tracks where the train is headed to go underneath you. Oh, shit. There's a man standing next to you <laughs> who, quote, is so enormous and heavy that if he places himself in front of the oncoming train, it will hit and kill him, but not, or sorry, but the train will stop. God damn. I have yet to meet a person <laughs> that is large enough to stop a train with obesity because last time I checked, no human meat, no matter how no. girthy, could stop an oncoming death machine. But yeah. Okay. Let's pretend. My uncle used to do uh, that. My uncle was an, uh, was a, uh, investigator for when trains hit people Ugh. and he's like scraping brains up off the ground and stuff no yeah no yeah why do you have all these crazy stories <laughs> with all your family members? man we need to have some interviews please yeah. i want to hear about some no, of these they're not lives. very interesting people aren't they i mean <laughs> no, <they're not>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway no so, he's great okay i'm joking pretend with me that this um, is the world of physics that we live in that uh, an obese person could stop a train with their mm -hmm. body. Mm -hmm. Okay, you have two choices. Okay. Do nothing and five people will die. Yes. Per use. Yes. Or push our large friend off the bridge. <laughs> he will be killed, but it will stop the train and five people are safe. So... Um, I want to know because obviously the difference is a lot more um, intentional. It's a lot more killing. like you're the hand that's causing it. Yeah. You know. So what do you think? How would you answer that? I would have, I would leave that up to him. And yeah. uh, it's kind. Of, I'm I'm rewatching Lost right now, and oh. I keep running into this theme of like Hurley is the big guy and he wants to come along and help. And time after time, everyone's like, "Dude, no." Like, do you want us to die? It's going to be so much harder. And then he like saves a day every single time. Mm -hmm. um, Poor Hurley. Oh, I, yeah. I love Hurley. Um, I, yeah. I think that I would just have to be like, you know, like this is your call here. Yeah. I don't, well, I, you I, wouldn't, could argue, I couldn't push him. I mean, you could argue like. I'm very weak. Hey, buddy, <laughs> I have an idea. And he's going right. to be like, what? No. And then you're like, but no, but like, hear me out. <laughs> we have seconds. I mean, even that is like an ethical thing. If you're like convincing him to right. have the idea, you know, to be influenced to do it or whatever. I mean, you wouldn't physically be pushing it, but you could argue like, were you responsible for being like, hey, bro, like you're the only one who can save us. <laughs> like, you know, jump it's, in front of the train. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like that, like sacrifice thing. I don't know. That one's a little bit more difficult. But I would say that, yeah, I don't I don't think that I would even try to persuade. I would hope that I wouldn't even try to persuade. But, you know, my mm -hmm. dumbass would probably actually flip out and just push the fucker. 
Like, I, if I'm honest, am relying on my freeze mentality because (laughs) I freeze like the worst of them in in an emergency, like to the point that I am useless. Throw me in the fire. Like, I am not going to help anyone. I I wish I would. I wish I could. But my response just tends to my panic tends to put me into freeze mode and then I don't do anything. Yeah. Um, So. That'll save me in this situation. (laughs) It happened so fast. Anyway. Okay, we're going to dive into what all of this means. And a lot of people are familiar with this already. But we're just going to get a very, like, one-on-one course for the people who maybe don't know some of the the nuances here. Um, The thing to note is uh, the ironic part about this problem which is while most people would choose option B for the first situation, so like you did, we would turn the tracks to hit the one person. They will often choose option A for the second situation. Like they wouldn't push our friend and they let the five people get it. Um, But technically in both situations, you're sacrificing one, one man versus. to save five people. So why now? Why, why is it this way? And then it's that way. So that's the way that most people answer is how you answer. It's how I would answer it, certainly, ah. in this hypothetical. That's so, crazy. I know it is. It, and I got, a fun, I got a lot of like fun little goosebumpy nuggets here that we can okay. talk about. So the drink of yes. this episode. I have never found a better on theme cocktail until today. To Are you ready? I had day. no idea this drink even existed. And I was really looking it up and I was getting frustrated. I was trying to look like the Socrates or something. Because right. th- we're going to get to it. But like ethics or or even just like the ethical dilemma. I thought that sounds like a drink. Like I'm going to look yeah. that up. Okay. I found. You can thank me later. <laughs> Take the A train. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> It's perfect. Wow. Take the A train, which, I mean, whether you take the A, the B train, whatever. But I thought, oh, my God, it's on point. That's okay. so great. All right. Whatever you choose, uh, people who listen, I don't care. I'm not here to judge you. I mean, I care. I just don't care what. <laughs> not you know, right I'm now. not going to care <laughs> if you pick one or the other. That's all. Way too tired. It's 2020. Mm-hmm. I don't have the ex- the extra energy to care about what your ethical dilemma is <laughs> and how you would choose to answer it. Okay. So how you make this, take the A train. It's two ounces of bourbon. Woof. Here we are again. Oh, I know. But it was so good. I just had to do it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great. We're just going to muscle through it. It'll actually probably be good. What else we yeah, got? No, it's fine. I think it's fine. Um, one and a half ounces Madeira, which is wine. So back to my earlier point mm. on the previous episode, I'm not sure why you'd add anything to something that's already perfect, but doesn't matter. Moving on. Interesting. If I ran the world, which I do <laughs> not. One teaspoon of grenadine. So it's super simple. Stir the bourbon, stir the Madeira, stir the grenadine with ice. Strain into a chilled cocktail glass and garnish with a cherry. Boom. You just transformed from an amateur into an intellectual. I hear. I wouldn't know. Baby. Anyway. Yeah. So it's a good one. It'll work. Um, I just love the on-theme-ness of it. I was romanced by the on-theme-ness of this recipe okay so you know how i do we're gonna start from the beginning of time as i always do (laughs) and like i don't feel like 
I don't feel like I've gone far enough back. I feel like I've up dinosaurs. No, I think like we have to go further. God, no, further, further, further. So here we are. The father of ethics begins with Socrates, or if you're going to Americanize it, Socrates, which Socrates. I've heard a million times. Oh, God. How repulsive. Yeah. People say Welcome that. Welcome to America. What? People say that. I've never heard that. Socrates. People say that. I think they say it because they're funny. Because like Bill and Ted, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was a movie where they said Socrates. Okay. So. I got you. Listen, I don't know. I've always heard it as Socrates. I've taken a history class or two. It's Socrates. No. Yeah. Anyway, yes. So he's the one who's like most, um, what am I trying to say? Most like attributed to ethics, right? And ethical philosophy. And you're right, it is philosophy, it's a branch of philosophy. So, um, what is ethics, I guess, is a good uh, place to start. So I started where all in my research where all the academics absolutely do not start. <laughs> Wikipedia. <Yeah. laughs> but hear me out. So I was just reading it just for a background. I just wanted to see what they were saying. And I liked their definition. So it says... Ethics is the branch of philosophy that examines right and wrong moral behavior, moral concepts such as justice, virtue, duty, and moral language. It also says that various ethical theories pose various answers to the question, what is the greatest good? Yes, 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 yes. And it elaborates um, a complete set of proper behaviors. So ethical theories are closely related to forms of life in various social orders. I did a control you under my notes, social orders. <laughs> so I think this is so interesting because it highlights that our ethics are determined hugely by our culture and our social expectations. Right. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Which is fucking yeah. bonkers, but yeah. It is. It so is. So I'm going to give you an example that I just came up with on the fly as I was clicking away. Suicide. Uh-huh. Yeah. So let's talk about the ethical yeah. beliefs around suicide. In Western cultures, particularly those of the Jesus persuasion, tend <laughs> to believe that suicide is morally wrong, right? It, it's so wrong that you'll burn in hell for all eternity. Mm-hmm. You'd likely not be buried in a Christian cemetery uh, because how dare you? It's, right. it's, a, it's an ethical faux pas. Like that's a very trivial way to say it, but it's an ethical no-no. Okay? Right. It's a moral no-no. Um, I was raised Catholic. I've heard this tale before. Just I've heard, you know, the idea of this um, just being raised in the church, right? So, however, in many Eastern cultures, suicide's been sometimes glorified as a warrior's death or at least an honorable death. So there's a specific type of Japanese suicide that's known as seppuku, and it means it means cutting the belly. So it's that thing you think of when they're on their knees and they're going to do that samurai, samurai sword thing, thing yeah. and they're going to cut their belly open. Yep. Um, so it's essentially death by disembowelment. Not our favorite way to go. It would hurt a lot. It would be slow and painful and awful. Um, it was originally reserved only for samurai warriors, but later it was adopted into mainstream culture. 
In fact, seppuku was so widely accepted in Japan, ethically, right, just morally in general, that it was used as a judicial punishment until 1873. So let's just pause for one second. Okay. That means someone was hypothetically convicted of a crime, whatever, in Japan. And if his sentence was seppuku, he had to stab himself in the guts until he was dead. That's so bizarre that, that like you could count on somebody to have to honor that, you know? Yeah. And he didn't even want to commit suicide, I presume. That's so. <laughs> they. I mean, yeah, if it's still the seven, 1870, then I guess. Uh, like, I don't presume to know if these people were good or bad or innocent or guilty or whatever. Right. But for fuck's sake, the mental <laughs> strength, actually, that that would take to be like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Okay, now. Yeah. Okay, wait. Ooh. <laughs> like, that's got to be so hard. And again, I don't mean to make light of it. It's obviously that's terrible. But what? I, it's hard for me to wrap my brain around. But society said right. this was a good thing. Go do it. You need to do this. This is but the honorable. on the other side of the world. Wow. Around that same time, they were like, that is terrible. How dare you? So it's just tricky, right? It's mm-hmm. just tricky by um, according to like what our social norms are. So, I mean, okay. Couple of notes that I just want to say to follow this example. First of all, these are generally old beliefs on suicide and many don't believe these extremes anymore. Some still do. But anyway, just leaving it. Leave it. Yeah. Second, some, please know that... You intelligent creatures who are listening, we do not advocate for any form of suicide for any reason. Thank you. Back to our program. I had to just throw that out there because, again, I'm, I'm making jokes and stuff, but it's actually not something to joke about. Okay, so moving on. BBC says that ethics at its simplest is a system of moral principles, right? We know they affect how people make decisions and lead their lives. They hold themselves to these certain ethical standards and they say, I'm going to live my life this way. I'm going to not do this. I'm going to do this. That's the way I need to do. Um, It comes from the Greek word ethos, which means like a custom, a habit, somebody's character, whatever, something like that. Ethics is a huge thing. So naturally, there are going to be different approaches to how we wrap our heads around it as people. Um, I'm just going to mention these quickly here and uh, not going to do a big deep dive, but I want to get your idea or like your thoughts on these. Okay. So there's three. There's meta ethics, which is the nature of moral judgment. So this looks at the origins and meanings of ethics. Let me rephrase because like this is all turning into a philosophy class so it looks like uh sorry it looks at the origins and meanings of ethics so it just backs up and says why do we feel ethical what where did these come from what is happening (laughs) like i mean that's how i kind of interpret these meta right so Meta. meta right yes Then you've got normative ethics, which, um, and I'm not going to lie to you, when I was reading these, I'm like, "Mm, I'm barely holding on here, (laughs) like trying to like understand the differences. But this looks uh, at the criteria for what's right and wrong. So it's considered Mm -hmm. or it's concerned with the content of the moral judgments, like what's in there, what is right, what is wrong. Not like, where did these feelings come from? But like more like what What is actually right. Right. Yeah. And then applied ethics, which I think is the most common one that we recognize. It looks at 
controversial topics like war, like animal rights, like capital punishment. And then it determines the ethical meanings inside of those things. Mm -hmm. So, for example, let's say, and I'm making this up as I'm trying to understand it myself, let's say capital punishment. This approach would question and lay out those specifics. Is it ethical to have capital punishment? Yes, no, whatever, somebody picks. I think it is, I think it isn't. Then they'd say, is it ethical to have capital punishment in the right circumstances? Like if the person on trial killed a baby, it's like, well, yes, no, that would change my answer. Well, no, yes, it would. Well, what about 700 babies? Like then what? You know what I mean? Like it just keeps going and the context makes ethics a very fluid thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The finding the line. Do you find just as a very general question, do you find that ethics can change like people's ethics can change or do you think they pretty much stick to their principles and they don't deviate or can it be translated differently? Like where do you sit on that fence, I guess? Uh, Well, I think that everybody changes. Um. (laughs) No, but they really just say the same though. No, I was with you. It's fine. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, I would say it's very difficult, but, or maybe not, dif- you know, yeah, difficult, uh, r- maybe like rare, uncommon. Uh, but yeah, I think that you can have ethical shifts, big ones. Yeah. I mean, like, and I think that the, the, there's like this weird thing. I just was listening to something the other day and they're talking about how like people of faith who get married to a person of another faith, Ooh. like, Nine times out of ten, one of them drops the faith to convert. They're talking about Ivanka and Jared. Oh, yeah. And it's like, that's a huge ethical shift. That's a really good example. And then, uh, you know, over 50% of evangelicals uh, get divorced. So, uh, like, you're <laughs> converting to then. <laughs> so, it's not that big of a promise. <laughs> I'm just saying. We could always go back. Right. Right, right, right. But I... I think you're right. I think so. I think of it like what you said exactly. I just step back a little bit more and I see it like, no, it still fits their morals. Their morals are just kind of shape shifting to fit the scenario. So, for instance, if your morals are or your ethics, whatever, have to do with family. Right. And you're like, I'll do anything for family. Well, that's something that uh, I'm making this up. The Christian Bible says, the you know, the Jewish faith says, like, you could twist yours to fit the other one. Like, to well, no, but I am sticking to my ethics because it just, I had a dilemma and I made a decision. Like, mm-hmm. that's more what I see is, like, people holding to their ethics, not blatantly changing them, but, like, twisting these little, you know, little parts shapeless things into what they want it to be. Yeah. 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 Shifting little parts of it to make th- that we, we talked about it a couple of episodes back, but like people have to have it, like make up the story to make it right in their head and, and th- yes. they make space for themselves. Good point. That's exactly that's exactly how I see it. That's exactly right. How I'm like, I, you've got it. You've nailed it. OK, so let's talk a little bit about um, some more history stuff because I have the microphone and you're not taking it away from me. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Britannica says um, that, quote, ethics could have come into existence only when human beings started to reflect on the best way to live. 
So oh. this ref- this reflective stage emerged long after human societies had developed some kind of morality, usually in the form of customary standards of right and wrong conduct. So how I take that to mean humans never had time to reflect on their behavior, whether it was good, bad, indifferent, when they were living their best survival life. Right. As in, I'm a hunt that hot woolly mammoth over there. <laughs> not get stepped on. Ain't nobody got time to wonder <laughs> if it's right or not. Is it fair? Is the woolly mammoth? You know what I mean? Right. They're not, they're not here for it. They're like, or like killing other humans or whatever. Like they just not eating them, whatever. It wasn't registering. They didn't have it. After societies formed and our basic needs were met, so, oh, we're actually friends and like we hang out together and we live in these villages and whatever, we started having some time to think about whether or not our behavior was fitting in with what everybody else was doing and what the collective group said was right and wrong. That's when it started. So I thought the next part was really cool um, in my nerd dumb. I thought... Um, that this is really interesting. Pretty much every human society on record has some similar form of myth to explain why they have their specific set of morals. So mm. in Babylonia, there's a sun god. I'm going to say this wrong because I'm an idiot. We've declared this <laughs> already. Shamash? Shamash? Shamish? Shamushka. Shamash, I think. think. Shamash. That sounds right. It sounds right. Uh, Anyway, he presented the code of laws. The sun god presented the code of laws to Hammurabi, which is known now as the code of Hammurabi. Does that sound familiar to your your situation in the Bible? Your situation, like it's you only. I mean Christians oh, in general. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, oh, oh. I was, sorry, I was in my own rabbit hole. It's okay. I was attacking you, and it was really just not. I don't know why I even phrased it like that. It was really weird. I was thinking um, of. Uh, oh, 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 oh! Stone tablet. Oh, 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 oh! Yeah, yes. yes, 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 yes. there we go. There we go. Yes, sorry. Now I'm nailed there. it. Okay, sorry. You got it. You're with us. You're with. You're right here. Okay. <laughs> The Old Testament in the Hebrew Bible had God giving the Ten Commandments to Moses. Yes. Meanwhile, Plato said, before this, said Zeus took pity on us stupid humans, I paraphrase, who were physically no match for the other beasts. So to make up for these stupid deficiencies, because we're just so stupid, he made us, according to Greek mythology, but it's fine. I don't, I'm not critiquing. Yes, I am. <laughs> Zeus gave humans a moral sense and the capacity for law and justice so that they could live in larger communities and cooperate with one another, literally okay. to separate man from the beasts. Okay. So, all, like, all these different places, Babylonia, or Babylon, Babylonia, Babylon, Babylon, uh, the... Uh, Christian Bible, the the Hebrew Bible, um, and the Greek in Greek mythology, we all have the same kind of thing. A god comes down in some way or another, hands somebody the true thing. Here's the way you're going to live, and here's the rules, man. Like stick to them. I thought that was really interesting because all the way through the generations and all different places on Earth, they all had a similar story, and I thought that was cool. Super interesting, and. Something I've been I've noticed and I've been incredibly frustrated with is like when you ask Christians about 
people of no faith. They legitimately think that the moral compass isn't is not even there. It's in, it's it doesn't exist because mm. their God gave them their moral code, their ethical code. People of no faith certainly have no code. It's so bizarre to me because I'm like, well, people of other faiths have. The, like you're acknowledging the other faiths have. Oops, girl, my upside down American flag just attacked me, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Try to hit me, bitch. Um, but yeah, there's this weird, there's this weird thing that it's just like ethics coming from divinity, mm-hmm. like trumps any other like it, it makes them think that like there there is no other code and i'm like baby girl there's atheists are so typically good people by the that best. argument i like serious question literal devil's advocate in this scenario the people who are satanists mm-hmm. by that argument do have a moral mm-hmm. code because they have a religion mm-hmm. to hold them to it even though it's backwards and upside down and you know crab crawling down the stairs like it's still well Zan, i don't even know enough about that i don't like i don't i know i know enough about what i think a satanist is but i actually don't know what a satanist is i mean i don't know much about it either but i just like so it's by that theory it's worse to have no faith than to be a satanist because you have some set of moral code even if it's bad right right is that i don't know we're getting <laughs> We need, We're getting into we need ethics. Less alcohol, more something. <laughs> I, I, so no, I would say like that would be an example of like somebody using like devil's advocate, like saying okay, so even bad ethics is is better than no ethics. That's not exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying like they no no like I've just listened like and I've talked with my parents about it a couple times, and like I'm using like an invisible army saying like with with Christians this is how it is because of my experience with Christians that I know, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems pretty common for they're just they it, because of literally written in stone. These are the rules, yeah. man. They think that that doesn't exist outside of that. Like that's interesting. It's so totally fucking bizarre, and I totally interrupted it, you. I think does it mean no, no, don't? It stretches my brain. I like it. So it means that like. It's divinely given like the it's a divine gift that you have this ethical and moral code that you stick to. And if you don't have that, that um, faith or religion or whatever, pick a thing, then you have you were never gifted with any kind of a uh, like, where's your where's your rule book? Right. Like we have the Bible. Where's yours? Right. You don't have one. Exactly. Okay. But I think there's so many things about instincts that are just, that make that not work. I think there's just people who are atheists and stuff that still well, you know, it's don't ethics. set people's cars on fire and stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it, that's the thing about it is like, it's just morals. Like it's just right yeah. and wrong. So like, I mean, we, you can get into like debates and shit about some of the other things, but like at the end of the day, it's just good and bad. So well, I like, I like that. 
thought. And I like playing this game where it's like, well, wait, but what if? But what if? But wait, what about this? Like, right. well, what does that mean? Does that always work? It's a really fun game for me. I really mm-hmm. enjoy it. Um, so thank you because I, you know, that was a good one and I liked it. And I'm going to I'm gonna think on it a little bit more because I like it. Um, so that leads me to the next point uh, perfectly because we're going to talk about just two types of um, approaches to ethics. Like, two styles okay okay there's more there's like i remember learning about some like neo like new age one and i was like that doesn't make any sense <laughs> to me like whatever so i picked the the mom and the dad i just picked right you know Susie Q. the soft mama bear and the hard daddy bear mm. oh i heard mm-hmm. it i heard it when it came out thank you i was thinking through i was thinking through oh, it's been a long day <laughs> yes <laughs> okay um so there's deontology, or it's also called deontological ethics, and there's utilitarianism or utilitarian ethics. I'm going to try to break this down fun. I'm going to try to break it down so it's not so boring. Um, and, you know, just we can stretch our brains a little bit, have a little fun, yes. and hopefully learn something. Yes. Okay. Into it. And I'll just sneak in a couple of boring facts. <laughs> you know how I do. Alternate okay. facts. <laughs> so we're going to start with deontological. This would be the mama bear. This would be the chair is very soft. Okay. I think. I think. Um, according to some school I've never heard of. I think it's pronounced Stanford. Stanford. <laughs> I don't know. I forget. Nobody's ever heard of it. Mm-mm. This school says the word derives from the Greek word for duty. Um, so deontological ethics, deontology is like the word for duty. And that's a really good way to remember what this is in shorthand. Uh, you do the right thing at any cost because it's, it's what's deemed right is determined by a set of rules that have been set out for you. The way I interpreted this in school was you do the most good and let the chips fall where they may. You be good and the world will adjust around you. It's not your problem. Like, okay. You don't have to take on anybody's shit. You just do your own good. You know, you just do what's right based on this very specific set of rules. Okay. Okay. So let me break this down in a a context because it's all about context with ethics. So how would someone who believes in deal, deal, it's a fun word, especially when you're drinking, deontological ethics, how would they react to the trolley problem that we discussed at the beginning? So- the basic answer, um, which is not always true, and I'll get to that in a second, is that you do nothing because you're just there watching the super tragic thing about to happen, and you're not going to go tarnish your ethics by taking things into your own hands. You're going to watch five people get smushed and then walk away shaking your head, saying damn that was a planet. damn shame. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you could have controlled a different outcome. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's like a very extreme deontological approach to this. Obviously, there's a lot of like context and nuances that make this not always the case. So it's not always that simple. I went then in my research journey, Mm -hmm. I went to Quora for this one. And I found a really, really intelligent answer to this from a guy named Tony Castaldo. He's a research scientist and I just wanted to give him some props because it was a really Shut good answer. Deontology is quote rules-based morality that will always do the same thing regardless of the consequences. Even if those consequences are death to you, death to your family, 
your enemies, your cow, (laughs) the whole human race. The virtue is in following the rules. That's that's how you be good and ethical. I hate that. Yeah, it doesn't work. It's extreme. It's too extreme. Yeah. Um, But take the basic trolley problem. Our friend says, if you do nothing, five people die. If you take actions, those five do not die, but one person dies that otherwise would not have been injured at all. We discussed that. And now that's on your shoulders, ethically speaking, you just killed a guy where you didn't kill five people before. Or maybe you did. Maybe you can't win. I don't know. Consider this moral rule, okay? You cannot intentionally take any action to end another person's life. That's the rule. Okay. You can't intentionally take another person's life. That's easy. You can't throw the switch because you know your action, like according to this, would cause the death of a dude. And then, you know, you do nothing and you don't take any action and five people die. And again, it's just such a shame. (laughs) It was me who died them there, but it's such a shame. I'm going to have to go to the bar and drink some whiskey because I had a hard day. So, okay. But then consider a different moral rule. So according to still deontology when harm to people is inevitable somebody's going to get hurt the end okay the moral choice tends to then route to the least total harm yeah so it pivots so that's easy too you're morally compelled then to throw the switch and in one life instead of five right easy peasy lemon squeeze that's right but just a second, that rule's vague too. So, <laughs> Shit on so me. Suppose, isn't this fun? <laughs> suppose the five are sickly and elderly grandfathers right, on their deathbeds. Right, right, right. And the one wife is a healthy infant in a stroller. Oh, fuck. Is it in? It is entirely possible, statistically speaking, our friend says, that the likely number of years of life held in the grandfathers is less than the likely number of years of life left in the infant, Mm -hmm. just that one person. Mm -hmm. So if the infant lives to the average death of 80 or so, so the most likely least total harm is doing nothing if letting the five grandparents... Anyway, so on and so on. Unless the baby is a serial killer and which... Exactly. Then we're back at square one again. Drawing board again. Erase the chalk. Right. So this goes on and on forever. And so I think his point here was so well made. He's basically saying here that you can always contextualize the situation to change your answer. You can always change it. And you don't even have to necessarily change it based on the circumstances around you. You can psychologically make it fit. That was my interpretation of what he said. I'm putting words in his mouth. But so here we go. Okay. Ethics is an illusion. Everybody do your own thing. Just kidding. (laughs) Please don't. That's what 2020 is. Please stop doing that. (laughs) Okay. So now we've got a little bit of a grasp now on deontology. That's that's that. Okay. So now we're going to talk utilitarianism for just a second. Okay. So have you ever heard the phrase before, the end justifies the means? Yes. Okay. So that comes originally from an old book called The Prince by Niccolo Machiavelli. So somebody will say like Machiavelli's the prince or that's Machiavellian. A lot of people will say that. Like even in the workplace, I've heard that before. Like that person's really Machiavellian. And it means like, oh, like they'll do whatever it takes to make whatever happen. Um, So although there were some ideas like this before this book came out, which was in the 1500s anyway. The, see how I slipped the boring step in? I just slipped right in. So smooth. 
the basic idea of utilitarianism is, look, I got to do what I got to do. I got to go back in time to kill baby Hitler to save the world from adult Hitler. Done. I'll kill a baby, but says this person that believes this, but the world is spared. So the end, no World War II, no genocide, et cetera, justifies the means. You having to go kill a baby and live with that on your conscience and, you know, deal with it. Okay. That's a really extreme example. I know it is. I'm just trying to illustrate yeah, no, that's the good. differences. Yes. So do you feel like do you feel like you see the difference between the two? Okay. Like yes. the one's kind of like, good luck. And the other one is like, listen, we gotta do what we gotta do. Roll up our sleeves, do the, you know, do, do what's the, gotta be done. Right. And that's not always a good thing either, but yes. that's kind of where we're coming from. Yes. Yes. Okay. I yeah, I can see them those two being polar. Yes, they are. They're extremes. Right. And then there's some crossover sometimes, but uh, we're not going to – the podcast is not that long. <laughs> we're, not, we're not doing that. So let me see. Where am I in my notes? Yes. So more often than not, these kinds of ideas are much more difficult to stick to. Like I'm always utilitarian. I'm always deontological. For example, okay. I went into deep academia for this next little bit. I'm super proud of myself. I found an article written in Tropical Parasitology in 2016. You know, the famous whatever that is. That went into the idea of (laughs) ethics in medicine because I wanted to know, I wanted a little bit of an understanding, just a little taste of what ethics, how that morphs as it does for all of us, I believe, in medicine. Mm -hmm. Okay? So specifically, I wanted to look at utilitarianism and deontology. Okay. In this article, it said, in brief deontology, sorry, in brief, deontology is patient-centered, whereas utilitarianism is society-centered. So think about doctors. Yes. I remember this. Although these approaches contradict each other, each of them has their own substantiating advantages and disadvantages in medical practice. So it goes on then to say, for example, when a doctor owes a duty to both patient and society, situations of breach in confidentiality may arise. So I'm making this up, but let's just say you're the doctor and you've sworn the Hippocratic Oath, as you do to be a doctor. You swear never to harm another patient, Mm -hmm. another patient, any patient, (laughs) except that one. Just that one. But it turns out that this patient, and I'm making this up, like, here we go. Buckle up. This is my brain on the fly. Do it. It turns out this patient is highly contagious with Count Choculitis. Come on. (laughs) To quote the office. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Count Choculitis. Afghanistan Annie's. Yeah. <laughs> you see he has it and you have to quarantine him immediately because I mean it will be a you know, I don't know, a pandemic. What's that like? I forget. <laughs> the I stand? So far away from anything we've been experiencing. Um, but he's not willing, the patient's not willing to go into quarantine and starts to leave. Like he's ready to like swing, take a swing at you, and he's like, Leave me alone, I'm leaving, like I can't afford to be here, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Do you let him go? Mm-mm. 
like you've sworn never to like hurt a patient or whatever, or do you physically restrain you him restrain or his whatever? Ass. I mean, like that. yeah, to stop him from potentially infecting others, uh-huh. right? Well, there's a contradiction because you swore never to hurt a patient. Now you. I'm presuming that you hurt them, <laughs> like whatever, in this scenario versus just like holding them down, but. You know, you have to break your own rule in order to follow your own rule. Right. You know? Right. So, yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, back to tropical parasitology. Love that. <laughs> ah, similarly, the practice of fundamental principles of autonomy and informed consent may be breached in the care of newborn, mentally handicapped, or patients in the permanent vegetative state. In practical ethics, two arms of thoughts exist in decision-making, utilitarian and deontological. What? We were just learning about that. (laughs) Crazy. In utilitarian ethics, outcomes justify the means or ways to achieve it, whereas deontological ethics, duties and obligations are the prime importance. So this is just reiterating exactly what we've been talking about. But what if people on the train tracks are awful people Mm -hmm. and the one person was good? What if the person in the vegetative state never wanted to be resuscitated, but you did it anyway because you took an oath to save them, whatever. See what I mean? It goes on and on and it goes in this loop. And I think most ethics do this. I mean, there's some very practical things that are like, don't do that. That's not good. (laughs) You know, but otherwise there's a lot of gray. There's a lot of gray area. So I'm almost done. I hope this I hope this isn't too long because, like, man, I've been just going, like, just like a train on the tracks. Oh, fuck. How? I forgot the name of it. Take Train A. Choose yeah. Life on the Train A. Take the A train. Take the A train. Take Damn it. Train. I knew that was a fucking thing. Yeah. And they, I don't think they meant it as, like, anything ethically. I think they were just, like. It's like a British. It was like, take the A train, like take the C right. train. Take right, the... right, right, right. But I was like, ah! <laughs> stealing I that. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, bourbon. Hi. <laughs> like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay. How ethics is relevant today? Okay. It's completely lacking. Yeah, I was going to say, we're going to have a teeny little discussion on that because I want to know your thoughts. But let me just get through this tiny little bit and then we're going to have a little um, a little discussion. The best explanation that I ever got in terms of what ethics are. Um, was actually in a corporate ethics class that I took. So in it, there was this professor and he told us that ethics is a constantly changing shade of gray. And to think of it in absolute black and whites will doom us to fail. Mm. You you just can't. I mean, you know, it, it just, there's too many things that come at us on a daily basis. There's too many variables and we can't possibly account for all of them. And our rule books tend to not cover everything. Yes. Right. Because they can't. Yeah. Because it would does just, that make sense? it would I mean, still go on forever. Does, does that seem, yeah. Does that seem like a truth to you? I mean, does that ring true? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, okay. fucking totally. I think that that's a really gorgeous way because it, it like emphasizes the point that like you, you want to make it black and white and it'll hurt you to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just not that simple. I wish it was. We all wish it was. For real. Listen, uh, we all wish it was. We all wish it was. <laughs> it's not. It's not. So it's all about context and doing the best you can in the moment. So to stick to what's right and good as best you can and let the rest of the chips fall where they may. So to me, that's a combination of deontology and utilitarianism. It's not too much one and it's not too much the other. Um, It's not always about sticking to the rules no matter what, but the end doesn't always justify the means either. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's your there's your ever changing shade of gray right there. That's right. Exactly. So I've got a little thing here and then I want to just ask you your thoughts on stuff. So there's a whole subject tab actually devoted to ethics um, in the New York Times, which I think is great. Like oh, cool. keep people on their toes yes. and inform them and make sure they don't forget to not be unethical assholes. Because <clears throat> it's easy to forget <laughs> that I need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bitter. You're bitter. Okay. (laughs) I pulled out a recent article just to get a sense of how ethics is being manipulated today. So I I truly almost wanted this as like an experiment. I wanted to just like type ethics, New York Times, and like click the most recent article that came up because I just wanted to get a taste of what What was going to come at me. Right. Right. So here's what I got. On September 13th, there's actually a really interesting opinion piece by Charles M. Blow called When Good People Don't Act, Evil Reigns. Okay. You can guess what this is going to be about. <laughs> Lindsey Graham. He says, <laughs> he says, stop thinking that the horrors of the world will simply work themselves out. Say that shit. So. Before we get into this, before we dive into more of what he says, which I think is really great, I think it's really, really informative and really timely, um, remember back to what we just learned, the deontology and the utilitarianism. Like, he's basically saying, stop thinking that it'll work itself out, so don't do the deontological thing. Again, putting words in his mouth, he never said this, this. But I'm interpreting it like... Don't do that. You need to roll up your sleeves and everybody's got to take one for the team in order to do what's right for the greater good. Yes. I think that's I think that's what he's saying. He's gonna <laughs> somebody's gonna know somebody who's gonna give him this podcast. Actually what he's I was like, saying. That's not what I fucking said. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be like, did you read the title? We are amateur intellectuals. We don't know what we're doing. Obviously. You do, you work for the New York Times. Like, back off. Okay. So He writes um, that he struggles to understand how big historical atrocities could have happened. Like, he still, like, just, he looks back at history and he says, like, how could this have happened? Mm -hmm. Especially when only a few tended to lead the charge each time. So, he argues that uh, it's often driven by official policy and propaganda. Wink. Yep. So, for example, he says the transatlantic uh, slave trade is an example of this. And so uh, so was the rise of the Nazi party, I would add. I didn't see that in his article, but I would add that, too. He argues that the covid pandemic and climate crisis have similar telltale signs to this, just to the things we've seen in the past and what ethically is and is not being done about Mm -hmm. it. So he finishes his article so strongly. So I was just like, and copy and paste. <laughs> I couldn't paraphrase it. And I was like, nah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to quote him. As Edmund Burke wrote in his 1770 thoughts on the cause of the present discontents, quote, when bad men combine, the good must associate else they will fall one by one an unpitied sacrifice in a contemptible struggle. So that means for, I mean, I just have to, I have a six-year-old in the house. I have to break down everything that I read and say. That means when bad men get together, the good men have to get together too. Right. Um, and women, obviously. Um, or else we'll fall, divide and conquer. I mean, the, if you're divided, you won't win is what they're saying. So get together, associate, or else you're going to 
all fall and it'll be an easy win for the bad guys. Okay, but you may be more familiar with another quote often attributed to Burke. The only thing necessary for triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Yes, 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 yes. So you can interpret that however you want. Deontologically, utilitarianly, 2020-ly. <laughs> I'm very good with my, is that adverbs? I don't know. Uh, anyway. Okay. So I wanted to get your just very basic. I just almost want to hear your brain just go. So I, I'm just going to ask you a very basic question. Um, and then you just tell me whatever you're thinking. Okay. okay. How do you feel ethics is playing a role in 2020, and you can even pick a specific direction because I know it's a friggin' shit show, and there's so many things. Pick any direction you want, but just tell me, like, how do you feel that it's there, not there? Anything we've talked about being morphed, um, people are more deontological or whatever. There are no ethics, whatever. What are you thinking? Um. Yes. Um. I think. And, and maybe this is a different thing. And so I'll try to focus more on the ethics. I, but what I'm thinking about is like compassion and empathy and, and the, the action of doing right. Well, that's a pillar. Empathy and compassion is typically a pillar in ethical um, like works. Like Standard. Ethical stuff. Yeah. It's usually one of the things in there. So, I mean, yeah. I think that like. Point. It counts. <laughs> I think that. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm a little bit surprised by in America in 2020 people's lack of like, this is where I stand. This is why I stand here. And I understand why, like, cause even for me, like I can only do that with a couple of topics because there's nine topics in contemporary politics that are like, books you know encyclopedias mm -hmm. and like to get through sure. um but like just not like a, i guess coming from my perspective on like raised in the faith and then coming out of a conservative household to now being where i am it's like i've 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 done the big ethical shift right whereas i was saying i used to run a facebook page when i was like fucking 12 um all caps Someone explained to me how you can be a Democrat and a Christian. And I would just like shit post on like fucking 40 year olds that were like, Jesus was a liberal because of healthcare, dude. And I was like, no healthcare for anyone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look so. at your little, you little mini, like, you know, blogger, like on there, oh, like yeah. trolling yeah. people at 12. With no fucking teeth. <laughs> crooked ass yeah no stupid i've always been this passionate i've just not i haven't always been this right um the, uh, well i i would argue wait that that's that's exactly your ethics you were just figuring out how to make them fit in the social exactly. like what actually was yours and what was somebody else's i think you were just finding it you had it in there you just didn't necessarily always know what worked for you. Right. You know, and with a full understanding, you know? Yes. And you probably still don't. I mean, yes. I think none of us probably do. I think things are going to change, you know? People change every like, day. I heard one time that um, somebody said, just going back to the political example, and then I'm so sorry I interrupted you. I want to hear more. But um, there was somebody told me that's really smart that I know um, told me that when you're young, like you being just a person in society in America, 
you tend to be a Democrat because you don't own a lot and you don't you haven't worked for a lot. And so you want everybody to succeed. You want us all to hold hands and be stronger together. Mm -hmm. And there's a real purpose in there and there's a real goodness in there. And then as you get older, you get greedy because you need to keep hold of your shit. Yeah. You want to sit on your stockpile because there is an argument to be made just like there's an argument to be made for the other side that like I worked hard for this. Like I don't want to just give it away to somebody that didn't like if they don't need it. Like I don't want that. So I'm just saying like that even can change. So in somebody's the course of their life. So, I mean, typically not if they're like really hard, like really far one way or the other, but if they're a moderate on either side, they could certainly change, you know? Absolutely. So anyway, so yeah. Um, so yeah, growing up in the faith, you were saying like, you know, you definitely had to make some changes, right. To like what you wanted to take in. You had all the energy (laughs) and the momentum there, but you had to know where to point it. (laughs) Yeah. Mostly namely in Dick. Um, (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah, no, sure. And like uh, figuring out, you know, oh shit, that's, yeah, that's deep. That's like a fucking, I will always be able to convince myself that I'm doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's everybody, usually, who's struggling at night to say. That's fucking scary. No, it's true. I honestly think, like, do you think that there are people like... Mm, and <laughs> government and elsewhere that are like just oh my god like I, I'm just so scared that I am immoral and I'm just trying to do right oh, it's right. like listen <laughs> if you if you are worried about it then you know you have it right. like that's how you know you have a moral compass because you're you're assuming that you're not doing it well enough right. if you're slumbering without any kind of ambient about it <laughs> yeah. about your troubles then you are unethical. Yeah. <laughs> or you don't have a moral Or <laughs> ignorant to, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Oof. The people who are growing and, and wanting Shifting to hear more size yeah. or whatever are constantly, it's about how much you want to spin those tires and say like, all right, I want to hear your story. And I think you and I have that in common. You and I like to hear other stories and other perspectives a lot because it, it either reaffirms where we stand mm-hmm. or it changes our perspective. Right. But either way, we enjoy that process. Right. Not everybody does. Yes. So I think there's a lot of people ethically who are like, I'm here. This is what I'm seeing. Don't ask me. Don't talk to me. Like, this is just let me live my life. I'm going to be over here. Right. And it's like, okay, fine. I mean, whatever. That's not the way I want to live, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. It goes into like the deontology of like, I'm going to leave you the fuck alone, even though I want to fucking be a utilitarian and be like, no bitch, listen. Mm -hmm. But, um, Mm -hmm. funny D Dion, Dion, how did you say that? Deontology? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Deontology Deontology. or deontological. It's a very fun word. So think Dion from, if you, uh, you don't watch movies, but from, um, Clueless? Did you ever see Clueless? No. Okay, like I started no. it. Okay, so Dion, think Dion Warwick. Do you know who that no. is? I'm dying inside. <laughs> Clueless was the first <laughs> Mean Girls, right? Mean Girls. Clueless was Mean Girls before Mean Girls. Mm, no, I don't oh, think shit. so. Clueless was Emma from Jane Austen, the story of Emma. Oh, well, then no, I'm way not even close. What am I thinking yeah, of? We got derailed. Get it? Ah, on the A <laughs> train. train. Sorry. On the A train. We sure did. No, tell me. Um, anyway, sorry. No, you can. Tell me what you were going to say. 
Sorry. Well, okay. So another scary side of that is like even so, there are the folk that are thinking about it are trying to sharpen, and then there are the folk that seem incapable and sitting in the fucking Oval Office, and then the scary part. So then you have the well, no matter. No matter if you're working on it or not, or paying attention or not, or give a fuck or not, you will always mm-hmm. have either either any, either side will always can always just make it make sense to them. Oh yeah, it's a puzzle piece made out of clay. Like you can just shape it how you want, stick it in there, and it's, and it's gonna fit. Yeah, that is so. Yeah, and you can even argue it. Yeah, you can be like, well, listen. That's because, like, again, you just contextualize it all day long. Well, listen, I whatever. But what about? But what about? You know, yeah. But what about late term abortions? Well, but what about rape? But what about you know, like you can you can go and do it seventeen hundred ways. What about the guy on the train? No, I can I could do this all day. What about the fat guy that's going to be pushed or even even coaxed to do it himself to be a hero and do it himself, which is actually a good like, uh, um alter what am i trying to say alternative to what you were saying um but let's let's say hypothetically that the obese man was like willing to like take one for the team right um well then okay what if the the one person on the train or whatever like if it de i don't forget i fucking know what if the what if the um you with the lever i'm gonna start over i fuck that up what about the person with the lever yes one of the the one person that it changes to to save one life was your kid or your sister or your brother. Right. But the five were strangers all day. We could go right. all day. Like yes. it just it'll always it'll always morph. So what they trained us in um, in school was like in a working world. It's you have to know that this is what it's going to be like and this is what human behavior is because if you know that then you can adjust accordingly yes. and be aware and let. Let the company know as a communications person that we might have to pivot. We might have to deviate because if we stick to our morals forever without any kind of change, it's only a matter of time before some scenario happens where we stuck to our morals. Yeah. And it doesn't work anymore. Um, And now you're in big trouble and whatever. So anyway, I I don't know. That's all I have. What do you think? Okay. So I think it's really cool because I didn't. So I didn't know that. And I like to think of myself as like a person that like thinks about these things and you definitely look, do. I would agree with that. Gag me. No, no jokes. All jokes aside, like definitely you're a thinker like that. Um, it's almost relieving. I feel relief, relief mm-hmm. um, because I shit you not. I have been like pacing outside of my apartment for what seems now like eight months. And I'm like, okay, what the fuck do Republicans have? What the fuck do does Trump have? What the fuck do, do the cops have? What the fuck? How are they figuring out a way to make this make sense? Like I got into a Texas has two of the worst senators on the fucking face of the earth. Um, and John Cornyn and Ted Cruz. And right before Rona, I was sitting outside the local bar and this guy was like a real estate guy. And he was talking about how he likes John Cornyn so much because he does so many favors for real estate. And he, you know, pays attention to lobbyists and shit. And 
I was just so eager to say, okay, like what? Okay. So like, this is what I'm fighting for. Like whenever I'm talking Mm -hmm. about Joe Biden, whenever I'm talking about the Democrats, I'm talking about healthcare. I'm talking about gun reform. I'm talking about immigration reform. I'm talking about education and investment. I'm talking about reparations and I'm talking about, and like, I could do that for 15 minutes. And Mm -hmm. what are you fighting for? And I expect to hear like pro-life and entitlements and mm-hmm. guns, I guess. Yeah. Like the gay thing's kind of like over and done now. So that shouldn't come back up. And I'm like, okay, so like literally, how can you sit here now that we've sat through this for four years and legitimize so I've just kind of been like raring to go because I'm like, who the like somebody come on, somebody give me like a good fucking reason for any of this. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, it we're, we're talking about ethically what I think is justifiable, and somebody else can come up with you can come up with a hundred million ways to make it ethically yeah. justifiable on the other side. Oh, oh yeah. And so it's this yeah. like okay. Uh, I hear you. Breathe. And on top of that, you've got the variable, you've got that, which is its own thing and it and has its own, you know, muck of problems. But then you've got deviations of people in terms of how intensely they feel bound to their ethics. Right. So you've got the people who are really close to their ethics and have to do what's right. Like it guides them on a minute by minute basis. Like this is how I have to be. I cannot undo it. And then you've got the, uh, you've got other people that are like, I don't give a I fuck. I am floating like, I the river. <laughs> Remember we talked about the surgeon example when we were talking about um, psychopaths in the toxic personality episode. And I told yes. you that there's psychopaths like a good profession for psychopaths if they're smart enough is to be a, like a neurosurgeon or some kind of a surgeon because they don't give a shit about the person's on the table. But they care about their and again, extremely <laughs> below disclaimer, disclaimer, yeah. asterisk. I know, whatever. Fine. Ben Carson anyway. is a psychopath. What? <laughs> we knew. But so but like. Again, the ethics, you can bring it right back to like deontological or utilitarian, like the end justifies the means or, you know, leave it and let it fall where it may. If if this psychopath doesn't have any ethics, like this doesn't even matter or maybe has a tiny bit. I mean, I think the definition is like you don't have any empathy or give a shit, but maybe you have your own code. I don't know. But the point is. You can make that fit. So he can fit in society. And if that extreme situation can fit in society, right. you know, Anyone like can. you got people who don't give a shit about ethics. They don't care about what they do. They're just, I want to win. I just want to win. I don't care what it takes to get there. I don't care. I literally do not lose sleep at night about it. It's not that I, it's not that I don't care. It's like, no, no I, I just, legit I really don't, don't care. care. Like, you know, the different, you know, the different. So it's like. Yeah. So you've got what you're saying. And then you on top of it, you've got a whole spectrum of people about how close or far away from their heart they keep their ethical Mm -hmm. code. You know, do they have one or do they have one intensely, whatever. So it's a really interesting thing. And you have to remember, too, like people are imaginative and people are really creative by nature. So people will always find a way to make it fit so that they can live with themselves. Um, I almost did it. I almost did it. My mom says. (laughs) (laughs) You knew it was coming. My mom says we all have to be the hero of our own story. So we all have to be the hero of our own story. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're a person that was a convicted murderer, uh, you know, if you were Ted Bundy, Mm -hmm. 
he's the hero of his own story yeah. because obviously he's this he believes he's this genius and he did this he deserved it like he deserved to kill these women he deserved to sexually like abuse them and murder them and whatever like you're the hero of your own story so that also plays into ethics because we're all tempted to tell our story to ourselves that makes us the hero in it not the villain not the side character the hero and like (laughs) what a poorly designed system whoever made this shit is so (laughs) fucked because (laughs) we're so tired (laughs) i was watching something today and it was um Oh, hold on. Let it come back to me. Oh. What was it? Fuck. This lady was talking about how. Oh, it was a TikTok. It was like a it was like a psychologist yes. TikTok. I love those. I'm like, you know, I love yeah, that. give me a quick like 35 second clip and then let's do about 400 of them and then I'll still be confused. But <laughs> but it's she, right. <laughs> she said, you know, um, there's a I'm, I'm going to fuck this up so hard, but essentially she's like uh, for, for people that are experiencing like loneliness in the sense of like they want to get into a relationship to end their singleness. You can fall in love with the person and then you can fall in love with the idea of the, the person. And it happens a lot. Yeah. And it's called <laughs> she knows I don't. Um, I've heard of that before, though. Yeah, I'm familiar. It, it, yeah. The, the thing that she's saying is like. What you when you're looking for rescue, you're not taking into account you, you you're 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 falling in love with the idea of the person getting you out of where you are, and and it's nobody can do that because it's your baggage and they have mm-hmm. theirs too, and so like it was kind of like this like oh fuck because it's like yeah. I think of it like uh, uh, Demi Lovato. I was so fucking mad at her when she sang that song. Somebody help me. Can anybody help me? Help me. Is anyone listening? I was like, yeah, girl, yeah. you just took two yeah. years to figure this out and you haven't figured out anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I, it's, it, it's very easy and human to like find yourself in that position of being like, somebody, Jesus Christ. I understand that. But mm-hmm. it was kind of like a shell shock to be like, okay, like literally everyone else is also going through a fucking shit storm like like your shit storm is the one that you see and then like your neighbor has theirs and there it, it just goes yeah. and it's everyone yeah and it's and, and their own hero our, uh, and like <laughs> that's right and and yet somehow we're taught to be good to like do unto others and yet we're pretty quick to like you know, be like, okay, fuck it, bye. <laughs> yeah, ghosted. Yeah, Good luck. bye. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting, but we can make that fit. Yeah, we can, we can make, make it, it anything, fit our but... own narrative, right? So I'm gonna leave you with this really random ass example because this is where my train of thought is. So I love these. Sorry. Titanic. Yes. <laughs> On the Titanic, not the movie, the actual occurrence. Um, I wrote a paper on this again in school a hundred thousand years ago. So I actually know a lot. Don't ask me names. Cause I forget everybody's names because every white man was named John or William. And <laughs> Edward. Like, you only can keep so many in your head at one time. So anyway, there was, um, I just want to give you a very plain example, very easy example about ethics. Okay. And like social societal cultural norms. There was a, and oh, whatever, it doesn't matter. The captain of the ship went down with the ship on purpose. 
Like it wasn't like he was busy and then the ship <laughs> like split in half right. and like it's his he, duty. he was like trying to help save people or whatever and all of a sudden, oh my god, I'm under the water. He was like, salute. Goodbye. He was like right away from retirement. He, this was his last voyage, wow. like before he was gonna retire. Super sad, right? You've got the the um the orchestra, like the four the four man mm-hmm. band or whatever it was, the quartet that was playing music to try to calm everybody. So I would say, I would argue for the captain, you've got okay, he made an ethical decision right there to salute, go down with the ship. I'm responsible for these people. I don't deserve to live if they don't kind of thing. Ethical situation, ethical decision in a moment, right? You've got the the people playing the music that feel now granted they're staff or whatever, but they're pe- fucking people right. like they're, they're playing music to try to calm the passengers. Like as they're slowly starting to freak the fuck out that this thing is going sideways. Right. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> Like, but they're still playing because they're like, it's all right. It's all right. Like we, but they knew too. They made a decision. They made an ethical decision. Then you've got, which actually I think ended up being a rumor according to my research when I was in school, but the story is, and it's in the movie as well. There was one of the like architects or fucking something. He's one of the big wigs that was at the captain's table. I don't know. He like dressed in women he panicked and he dressed in women's clothes because remember the rule was women and children first first. also an ethical thing the men have to be like okay that freaks me the fuck i mean you have to assume they're scared too yeah just as scared i mean as everybody else they're they're looking at a dark ocean as much as you are (laughs) but anyway he gets into clothes uh, allegedly i don't think this actually happened the way that they said but the rumor was he got into women's clothes like a coward and he jumped on lifeboat and then he survived. And then he was like, he lived, he got on a lifeboat, he got on the Carpathia and all of it, like whatever, doomed to like have a bad reputation for the rest oh, yeah. of his life as a coward and all these other people. But like he lived. Right. Okay. So you could argue that was an ethical decision. He decided life, his life was at some point more important than somebody else's butt on that That's seat. That's right. In the lifeboat, good, bad, indifferent, whatever. I mean, did he take the place of another man that would have taken it? Would that have changed it? Was there a dick that was going to fight him for it and he had to sit there? I mean, probably not. But I'm just saying you can contextualize it all day. Was there a little kid that he kicked in the face and was like, bye? Like, get back on that ship. Like, this is, I'm rich. Like, I don't care about you. I designed this thing. (laughs) But again, it all, that's right. It was the designer, wasn't he? So it's all contextual, you know? Again, could, you know... uh, I just think about that as like a very silly example, but a very quick decision. Something happened. You made a call. Yeah. And the ship's going down. And, and society rewards you or it punishes you based on what decision you made in those few seconds. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, maybe he had kids at home. Maybe he was the only beneficiary of his family. I mean, again, no, he wasn't. But I'm just saying. You could yeah. come up with something. He came up all, with something. All day. Right. It's an endless loop. It's an endless loop. So anyway, that's all. That's all I have. Interesting. I hope you I liked did. it. I did. Yes. Good. Super fun. Good. Well, listen, everybody, follow us on socials, please. You've been doing amazing so far. We're so happy and touched that you would even give us the time of day to sit in your news feeds. Thank you so much for that. Um, we are on Facebook. 
Instagram, Twitter. We have our uh, email address, which is amateurintellectuals at gmail.com. We have gotten some submissions. So we will look through those and we'll start picking some things and then we'll come back to you on some of the topics that we've picked. Um, so thank you to those who have submitted those. We'll let you know and give you a shout out when we pick them. And I think that's it. Rad. Love it. That's a wrap. Good deal. We will see you guys right. next week. Okay. Bye. bye.